It's been a dramatic couple of days in the UEFA Champions League. On Tuesday night, the 10-time champions eased past Roma. And it was that man, Ronaldo, who finished things off with his 90th UEFA Champions League goal. Cristiano Ronaldo on the volley does it again. This season's UEFA Champions League top scorer has just broken Roma hearts. Meanwhile, Ghent travelled to Germany, but it was Wolfsburg who booked their place into the quarterfinals for the first time in their history. Draxler into the penalty area. Draxler still. The pullback and the goal! Andre Schürrle sends Wolfsburg into the quarterfinals. Then on Wednesday in the early game, Benfica came from a goal behind on the night in Russia to stun Zenit. Taliska wraps it up with a goal! And the wild celebrations start amongst the Benfica players. It's Benfica's night, it's Benfica's tie. And then a thrilling game in West London saw a Zlatan-inspired Paris Saint-Germain knock out Chelsea to put their name into the draw for the quarterfinals. Delivers the cross for Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who couldn't really miss from right in front of goal. It might be the moment that finally settles this. 2-1 in front on the night, 4-2 on aggregate. We have key player and head coach reaction from the likes of Zenedine Zidane, Dieter Hecking and Andre Villas-Boas, plus the best analysis of the week's round of 16 second legs. So stay with us right here on Match Day Live. Hello, I'm Rob Daly, so we now have four UEFA Champions League quarter-finalists after two exciting nights of football in the round of 16. Let's start with a classified check of the week's UEFA Champions League results in those second-leg ties. On Tuesday, Real Madrid 2, Roma 0. That was a 4-0 aggregate win for Real Madrid. Wolfsburg 1, Ghent 0. The German side threw 4-2 on aggregate. And on Wednesday, Zenit 1, Benfica 2. Benfica with a 3-1 aggregate victory. And Chelsea 1, Paris Saint-Germain 2. That means the French champions go through 4-2 on aggregate. OK, let's start our review of the round of 16 action on Tuesday night when Real Madrid faced Roma with the Spanish side two up from the first leg. The commentator for this one was Richard Kaufman. Vasquez trying to get the better of Dinho. Does so, Ronaldo scores! Cristiano Ronaldo on the volley, does it again. This season's UEFA Champions League top scorer has just broken Roma hearts. You have to say the substitute played a big part, but you know who does the job again. Real Madrid won. Roma nil, 3 new on aggregate, and surely now through to the quarterfinals. Ronaldo's on the ball again. Cristiano Ronaldo feeds it to James in space. Scores! James Rodriguez just sticks the knife in, and that surely is that. There was doubt, there were chances for Roma, but it's over now. Real Madrid 2, Roma nil tonight, as it was at the Stadio Olimpico, which means it's 4-0 on aggregate. Richard Kaufman with the commentary there. European football journalist Andy Brassel is alongside me. Andy, let's talk about 
Cristiano Ronaldo because he keeps hitting these amazing goal-scoring numbers for the club. Yes, that's absolutely right. Uh, of course, the 350 the previous uh, weekend against Celta. And um, <laughs> you just run out of superlatives, really. I think what's interesting this season is that his role has, has gradually changed. He, he is in his 30s now. He's 31. He's becoming uh, almost more of an orthodox centre-forward as much as someone like Cristiano Ronaldo could be orthodox. Um, but, you know, he's almost turning into a, a penalty box poacher. What's been interesting, I think, uh, the Roma goal uh, was a along those sort of lines is his is goals against Celta were old Cristiano outside the yeah. penalty box but that he can do um, that other stuff that he, he can um, make the passes as well and he's got more assists uh, that, than at this stage in any other career during his season of course he laid on the second for for Hammers, which was a great goal I, I think is, is proof of how he's constantly evolving and it's it's interesting for Real Madrid uh, Real Madrid head coach Zinedine Zidane knows there's much more to come from his team I'm not going to celebrate. I'm just happy with the work we've done because it's not easy to play a first and a second leg like this against such a strong rival. We have stood up and, at the end, we have played the match we wanted. Zenedine Zidane there. Uh, Andy, do you, do you believe there is more to come from Real Madrid or is this them at their, their top level as things stand with this team in transition? I, I think there's absolutely more to come. And I, I think there's a sense that La Liga has gone. Uh, but on the other hand, I, I think there's also a, a feeling that the uh, undecima, the, the 11th, uh, European Champions title is very much alive and that's what's going to motivate them that's what's going to bring their absolute best out of them I think the fact that their defensive record has, has, has been impeccable um, especially with Kelo Navas between the sticks is, is notable and um, yeah they're a threat for anyone uh, funny you should say that because former Real Madrid star and WA Champions League winner Christian Karrenberg told us why he expects his old side to go all the way to the final because they cannot do anything in La Liga because Barcelona is leading the championship. Also because they don't play anymore the Spanish Cup. And I think that they're going to focus on that goal. And the main goal is only focus on uh, Milan and for sure the Champions League. Yes, uh, competition. Christian Carambo speaking exclusively to us uh, yesterday on Match Day Live from the Heineken Champion the Match event as well. Um, in terms of Real Madrid's focus now, Andy, do you believe... La Liga, the Spanish Liga has gone and that the focus should be the UEFA Champions League for the remaining months? Yeah, I, I think it's very important. And um, I think there's a sense of destiny about it as well, with Zinedine Zidane being being part of it as well and being part of UEFA Champions League history. It's, it's something that's going to strongly motivate them. And, of course, the UEFA Champions League and its, its, its predecessor, the European Champion Club's Cup, is something that identifies that, the whole identity of, of Real Madrid. You know, from the minute you walk through the door of that football club, it's clear that it's always the priority. I remember Steve McManaman's book. He talks about how he saw that the little trophy, the image of the trophy, every around yes. the club uh, just so important to Real Madrid meanwhile for Roma well they had their chances at the Bernabeu and they they missed some real big opportunities to score first Edin Dzeko with one notable one-on-one -on -one. Mohamed Salah with a couple and uh, Roma midfielder Miralem Pjanic believes that missed opportunities uh, were behind the side's exit we are very disappointed we, we have the, the biggest chance in the first half and uh, we didn't score so we, we know uh, after the first game we passed this turn you have to score but the ball wasn't uh, didn't want to go in so we are very disappointed Roma are up to third in Serie A Andy they're out of the UEFA Champions League now but are you seeing a side that's improving under Luciano Spalletti yes absolutely and we talked about trying to reshape sides 
mid-season uh, earlier in the show. And um, he's someone who's, who's managed to do that very successfully. Seven successive Serie A wins. And they were competitive. They were more competitive in these two games than the score suggests. Uh, Spalletti himself suggested it was a, a little bit of, of mental weakness. I don't know if that's too hard on his side, but they're certainly learning quickly under him. And I think they'll be back in the UA for Champions League next season and they'll be a nuisance for a lot of teams. Uh, so Real Madrid getting past Roma by four goals to nil on aggregate. Also on Tuesday, Wolfsburg hosted Ghent with a 3-2 lead from the first leg in Belgium. Your commentator was Richard Connolly. Here's Cruiser with a chance for Wolfsburg. Picking out Gilavogi. It's a shooting chance and he hit it well. And Sells diving to his right has parried the ball behind for the corner. Tresh with the cross. It's beyond the goalkeeper. It's pulled back and off the line by Ghent. The effort was by Schürrle. It's the best move of the match, that. Here's Gilavogi breaking from midfield. And he's managed to hold the ball up, and he's passed it on to Schürrle. Is this the chance? No, Gershon gets his foot in and deflects Schürrle's effort wide. Draxler with a stop and go. Draxler into the penalty area. Draxler still. The pullback and the goal! Andre Schürrle sends Wolfsburg into the quarterfinals. And Draxler finally came to life to set it up. A simple finish for Schürrle and the relief of Wolfsburg, who take the lead on the night, 4-2 overall. Richard Connolly providing the commentary for Match Day Live there. Andy, how significant for Wolfsburg as a club is it to get this far in the competition? Because they've added silverware to the trophy cabinet in recent years too. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think that was very important for them. Uh, I spoke to Dieter Hecking before the start of the season and he, he said in terms of creating a winning culture where players have some sort of reference to refer to the DFB Pokal final, especially as it was over a UEFA Champions League perennial like Dortmund in the final, I think was very important. But really, this is them ahead of schedule. Uh, under the era of uh, Klaus Alos, the sporting director, and Hecking, uh, they've been a great believer in step by step. So they were hoping to do well in the group stages of the Champions League, UEFA Champions League, and then progress from there. So they're already ahead of schedule and, you know, they can just enjoy this and from our perspective, there are so many attacking players to enjoy. And Andre Schuler finally hitting some form is great to see. Yeah, scored the uh, the winning goal on the night against Ghent. Uh, let's hear from Wolfsburg's head coach now, the Dieter Hecking, who held his side's efforts as they reached the last eight of the competition for the first time in their history. How do you describe this? I think you can say historic because it has never happened before. I think from a sporting point of view, it's a giant success for this team in the UEFA Champions League. But the team is capable of even more. This must not be the end. I've heard this a couple of times. Now the big teams are coming, it is the end for us. But we all know that games must be played out in football. And we will of course be the big outsiders in the competition now, but you always have a chance in football. And we will try to take this chance in the quarterfinals. Dieter Heck in there. Well, Andy mentioned the attacking midfielders who have really shined uh, for Wolfsburg in the competition this season. Julian Draxler has been outstanding of late, scored two goals in the first leg, while Wolfsburg's Andre Schürrle got the goal on the night. But he believes the win was based on his side's strong defensive display. They had to score two goals and we knew that, so we defended good, we defended well. I think they had, didn't have a, a clear chance in the whole 90 minutes and that's what we wanted to, to do. And then we had a few good chances and uh, luckily we scored so everyone gave everything and uh, in the offensive we we always create chances because we have great players and we scored so yeah it was a great win for us 
Yeah, Andre Schiller starting to come good just over a year since his move, a big money move from Chelsea. But uh, Andy, in terms of what Wolfsburg have achieved in this competition, they have been off the pace in the Bundesliga, I think seventh at the moment. Has there been a bit of a trade-off from the team to perform better in Europe? I don't know if that has been the case. I just think there's just been a complete reordering of the team with the departure of Kevin De Bruyne, who was very much right, the conductor yeah. of the orchestra. Yeah. And they've had to find a new way of playing. They've had to find a way to accommodate their two biggest signings. Um, Max Kruser and Julian Draxler, who at the start were very much stepping on each other's toes, but now they've found a, a happy medium, I think. Um, what Schuller was saying there about a, a team effort, I think, is very important because, of course, recently they've had the injuries to Naldo, their best defender, and Diego Benaglio, their extremely reliable goalkeeper, and Cohen Castiles and Dante have, have, have come back into the side and, and, and done really well. Wolfsburg have Dante, we have Ian Dante. <laughs> well, let's focus on Ghent now uh, because their midfielder, Brecht, Jagea said his side did all they could against an impressive Wolfsburg. The first half we put good pressure to Wolfsburg. They didn't come out of the game as usual. And uh, I think we had uh, a few chances by uh, good centres from the side, but then uh, we weren't there. So uh, we changed our system a little bit with uh, offensive guys on the wings who can make an action. So, uh, but then, as you know, in games like this, you don't have uh, 10 chances. So the many chances that you get, uh, you have to finish them. But we didn't do this. Ghent, the first Belgian side to go this far in the competition since we had this format of, of round of 16. I mean, an astonishing achievement, Andy, because as you mentioned before, they, they were in a group that looked like they were going to finish bottom, let's be honest, when the, the groups were drawn out. Absolutely. And they went and won at Lyon. And they, they beat Valencia at, at home. They beat uh, Zenit St. Petersburg at, at home and, and, and took a draw from the home game with, with Lyon. It's extraordinary when you think of those clubs' history in the competition, especially uh, Lyon and Valencia, their history in UEFA club competition. And uh, they, they gave a great fight in the second leg as well, despite missing a, a few key players. I think a, a lot of people will be sitting up and uh, looking at Coombs, looking at uh, Depoitre. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, you know, thinking those are players who are going to go on and have better and better experiences in UEFA club competition. Uh, so Real Madrid and Wolfsburg through from the Tuesday uh, night ties. Next on the show, we're going to look at uh, the best of Wednesday night's round of 16 action. Decimos no al racismo. No to racism. Nay de racismo. No al racismo. No al racismo. No to racism. Lionel Messi, Gareth Bale, Robin Van Persie, Franck Ribéry, Edinson Cavani and Kevin Prince Boateng are just a few of the UEFA Champions League stars saying no to racism. European football united against racism. Respect. You're listening to UEFA Champions League Match Day Live. Welcome back to the show from me, Rod Daly, alongside me, European football journalist Andy Brassel. Uh, we're going to turn our attention now to Wednesday's round of 16 games. Chelsea were looking to overturn a 2-1 first leg deficit against Paris Saint-Germain at Stamford Bridge. This one was watched for UEFA.com by Phil Blacker. Lucas, good run through the middle, and he's uh, dinked it to his right. For Di Maria, it's cleared off the line by Branislav Ivanovic there. Ibrahimovic peels wide on the right-hand side, squares the cross. Oh, and it's touched in by Rabiot. Big, big goal for Paris. William plays it forward in towards Diego Costa. Turns, shoots, scores. Gets Chelsea right back in this one. It is Diego Costa. Beats the chest and is saluted by Stamford Bridge. Huge moment again, and it's a brilliantly taken goal. Goes for goal, spectacular strike, saved by Trapp. Chance on the follow-up, saved by 
trap again to keep out Azar. It's Willian on the penalty spot, onto the left foot. And by the time he got the shot away, the white shirts had reassembled back behind the ball to make the final block. But Kevin Trapp is Paris' hero with a double save. Di Maria, he's uh, asking for the ball back. He's going to get the ball back and delivers the cross for Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who couldn't really miss from right in front of goal. It might be the moment that finally settles this. 2-1 in front on the night. 4-2 on aggregate. Well, a mighty impressive performance from Paris Saint-Germain as they knocked out Chelsea for the second season in a row at the same stage. We're going to be hearing from David Luiz and Chris Hiddink uh, very shortly on the show. But first, let's speak to our commentator for the game, uh, Phil Blacker. Phil, Paris Saint-Germain, ultimately the, the stronger team on the night for you at Stamford Bridge. They were. I think they deserve their place uh, in the quarterfinals. Again, hugely impressive performance, as it needed to be, because Chelsea played a big part in the tie. And although it looks you know, fairly comfortable, 2-1 wins in each of the, the two legs over the space of the three weeks for Paris, it was shaping up at one stage in that, that second half at Stamford Bridge to be a different story. Chelsea responded really well to uh, conceding the away goal early in the game. Adrian Rabiot had put Paris in front. You wondered maybe at uh, that stage whether Chelsea were, were going to be torn apart. They responded really well. Diego Costa's goal, I think important that it came fairly quickly afterwards, about 11 minutes after that. And then at one stage in the second half, they were pressing forward. They were going close on a, a number of occasions. There was a fine save at 1-1 on the night, double save from Kevin Trapp, which looks particularly important now. But Paris responded, and as soon as Latin Ibrahimovic scored the goal, wonderful ball in from Anel Di Maria, that really was game over, and there was nobody back from Chelsea who went from needing one goal to take it into extra time to needing three goals to win it. It, it wasn't going to happen. Paris showed their quality in the moments of the match that, uh, that really mattered over the, the two legs of the tie as well. I don't think you can argue that they, they don't deserve their place in the last eight. OK, let's hear from uh, Paris Saint-Germain defender David Luiz. We did a, a great match against a fantastic team. It was a difficult match tonight, but we keep our focus, concentrate, experience to, to try to, to score in the exact moment. I think we didn't change our philosophy to play, so this is good because we, lo we love to play with the ball, keep the possession of the ball, try to create some gaps to score. So we came with this plan to so don't change our, our philosophy, especially because we won the, the first leg. We just try to, to keep our feet on the floor, to work hard and the and be ready to play against everybody. David Luiz, of course, facing his former club. Paris Saint-Germain now have 100 goals in all competitions this season. Uh, let's uh, hear from Chelsea's manager, Hus Hiddink, his thoughts on where things went wrong at Stamford Bridge. We started too respectful in the first 10, 15 minutes, I think. On one hand, on the other hand, this is a team who knows to play very the, the short possession game very well. And you must be very careful not to be outplayed in in the first uh, in the first part of the game. We were too respectful, but later on we got this uh, this one nil down. We lost that wrong respect, and we tried to uh, defend a little bit more forwardly. We won the duels, and from there on we got the the well-deserved equaliser. There were some some chances both ways in the first half. Second half, I think, we pushed, we, we tried to get uh, the 2-1. We were on the edge in the, around the 60, 65th minute to score, and we didn't do so. And in the 67th minute, with their little uh, attack, uh, they, they killed the game at that moment. Uh, the thoughts of Chelsea manager, Chris Hiddink, and, and, and something you and Andy both mentioned ahead of the game, Phil. The problem for Chelsea was it was always going to be difficult to, score, to stop the French champions, not just scoring once, but, but scoring twice, and that killed the tie. Yeah, you always had the sense that it was a likelihood at some stage, and having conceded quite early in the contest, 
gave them absolutely no margin for error. So although they had a, a fine response, although they were pressing and uh, you know applying the pressure that was required to, to go in search of the goal that would potentially have taken it to extra time, you always felt because of that they were running a risk at the other end. Not only that, but because of the players that Paris had on the pitch in those uh, attacking areas, they were always likely to, to hurt Chelsea at some stage. They'd given themselves uh, a tall order by conceding so early, despite the way, the impressive way that they responded. Gus Hedding kind of alluded to it, that maybe they gave Paris a little bit too much respect early, and that made their job so much more difficult in the second half. And yeah, you're right, when, when Ibrahimovic's goal went in, that was it really, wasn't it? That's right. I, I, it's interesting talking about maybe Paris receiving a little too much respect in, in, in the early part of the game. I think they responded somewhat to the, the, the conversation in France because, of course, a lot of people have been talking this season about how do you do you beat Paris Saint-Germain? And, of course, they were beaten for the first time after a 36-league game un unbeaten yeah. a couple of weeks ago at Lyon. And uh, I, I'm sure Chelsea took a few lessons from them. Press very high up, don't allow them any space, don't allow them to play the ball out. And I think you can see from the way that Willian played Thiago Motta. They press him very certainly, high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. certainly as, as the game went on, that was the case. But I think Paris had to think about it and, and Laurent Blanc had to think about it and said, let's react to that. Let's make them think about us. Let's play the game in their half from the very off. And you saw the level of involvement of Di Maria and Lukash, and I'm pretty sure that's why Edinson Cavani didn't get picked again. So Lukash could make things count in those high areas and in the centre of the pitch. Phil, now we look at the, the category of teams that are going to be in the last eight. But to Paris Saint-Germain now enter that Barcelona, Bayern, Real Madrid, perhaps those four might be the standout teams in the competition. I think they are in the top four. It's an exalted company, isn't it? Any other season, really, any other era, and they maybe have an even better chance of going on to win this for the first time. I still think they're a little behind Barcelona, probably a little behind Bayern. On current form, I'd put them right up there with Real Madrid as well. If they get anybody but the two teams that I just mentioned at the start in the quarterfinal draw, I think they'll be favourites to progress. I think, again, we've seen further progress from this side. Seven of the team actually started at Stamford Bridge a year ago when they went on away goals against Chelsea. I think they've grown even further together. They've got even better. We are seeing signs of progress from Paris, even if, of course, they haven't got past the quarterfinals yet, this current generation. Fourth successive season. This is going to be their best chance, I think, to, uh, to get finally past that stage. And they deserve the right to be mentioned in the same breath as the teams that we've just been talking about. They really do. Andy, in, in, uh, if we're being honest, to Paris Saint-Germain secretly hope in the draw that they don't get Bayern, Barcelona or Real Madrid who beat them in the group stage? Uh, Barcelona, I, I think they would rather avoid um, because they're the, they're the best team in it and because I think yeah. there was some psychological damage done uh, by last year's uh, two legs. E even though, as I said, um, Paris were fatally weakened by suspension and injury. On, on the other hand, I think anyone else, anyone else, they're welcoming. Even you know? Bayern? Yeah, I think so. I, I think this is a, a, a team that, as Phil says, is growing. I think Di Maria has made them change dimension. He's made an absolutely huge difference and he's helped pull even more out of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Everyone was talking even at the start of this season, about, oh, he's running out of contract at the end of the season, his Parisian career is winding down. And you know what, for the last couple of months, 
It's like, when can we sign him up again? <laughs> when can we sign him up again? And I think he's having second thoughts about going as well. It's, it's just completely regenerated him and by implication the rest of the team. And one more year. One more year for Zlatan. <laughs> uh, by the way, it's destined to be Barcelona, Paris Saint-Germain when that draw happens now. Of course. Uh, OK, so uh, Paris Saint-Germain threw Chelsea out also on Wednesday. Uh, Zenit started the early kickoff in St. Petersburg. A goal down against Benfica from the first leg. This one watched by John Bradley. Zhirkov's in the penalty area. Zhirkov pulls the ball back. It's in. It's hold. He just scored. And Zenit St. Petersburg have levelled it up on aggregate. The Petrovsky Stadium has erupted. The ball is played forward. Up in the air it goes. Taken by Raul Jimenez, who shoots right. Funny! It. Oh, it's saved onto the crossbar. And down towards Gaitan, who scores. And Benfica now, surely, are on their way to the last eight of the UEFA Champions League. It looks speculative from the Mexican, but he caught it beautifully. It was tipped onto the crossbar by Lodigan, and Gaitan reacted quicker than anyone. Gaitan's looking to crown it with another goal on towards Taliska. Taliska wraps it up with a goal. He's only just come on as a substitute. It's Benfica's night. It's Benfica's tie. It's Zenit St. Petersburg 1, Benfica 2. Well, it was Benfica's time. We can speak to John Bradley uh, as well on the show now. John, how disappointing will Zenit be not to have made that extra step, to have got themselves to the quarterfinal? Because you cover a lot of Russian football. Yeah, falling to Benfica once again, just as they did when they reached this stage four years ago. Uh, I think that they went into the game, although they had been a little short of goals since the return from the winter break. They'd only scored one free kick in the three matches that they played. Uh, but tonight they came out and they had real intent. Uh, Benfica still looked a, a real threat on the break. And that crucial goal in the 91st minute of the first leg three weeks ago by Jonas with the header just perhaps just gave Benfica that little edge and even missing so many players Benfica still had quality going forward and that turned out to be the case it was interesting the way that Andre Villas-Boas managed to change the whole context of the game really he made a change after half time and brought on Shatov and Smolnikov and, and they really were the catalyst to Zenit looking capable of turning the game around but but the effort by Raul Jimenez that, that hit the crossbar you know sometimes as a commentator you see the ball drop 35 meters out and you think there's no danger he hits a right foot volley which is brilliantly tipped onto the crossbar it was an amazing piece of football and Nico Gaitan heading the ball home just a few minutes from time and then of course it was wrapped up by Taliska it was indeed, uh, and, and Zenit boss Andre Villas-Boas was in reflective mood following his team's exit from this season's competition. Well, we had a good spell till we equalised the game, and um, yeah, I think uh, you know the the one-one comes a bit um, against what was happening. We have a fantastic chance for the two-zero with uh, with Zuba. Uh, we were not waiting for this moment of inspiration from Jimenez that changed the game, but it can happen in football. Gaetan was there for the second ball, and they managed to to overturn the, um, the result eventually in the end. So I'm extremely disappointed because I think that uh, in both legs the team did enough. John, do you think that Benfica have enough squad depth to challenge and, and make good work of the UEFA Champions League and maintain their, their defence of that league title in Portugal? What a turnaround it's been under Hugo Vitorio, closing the gap on Sporting, going to the top of the table, missing players. And, and when they do start to get those players back, of course, several were suspended for this game. Uh, in St. Petersburg. They will be a threat for anyone and people will not want to go to Lisbon and play them. Uh, John... 
I know I didn't prepare you for this, but you've got to pick a man of the match and give a reason why. So who is that, the outstanding performer at the Petrovsky? It's easy. It's Renato Sanchez, just 18 years old. It could be the game that the boy turned into a man. Looks a prodigious, wonderful young talent, and he was outstanding on the night. John, thank you very much. He does look very exciting indeed, uh, Renato Sanchez of Benfica there into the quarterfinals. Still alongside me, Andy Brassel and Phil Blacker. Guys, uh, your man of the match is from the game at Stamford Bridge. Andy, we'll start with you and then Phil. Blaise Matuidi, no one was expecting him to be fit when he held his hamstring this time last week. But like Laurent Blanc, his coach said he's Superman and he came back to hold that midfield together. Be tempting to go for, for Zlatan after scoring one and making one. I think he was just edged by Anel Di Maria involved in, in both the goals as well. So I'll go for, for Di Maria for Paris Saint-Germain. And a quick one. We haven't had the, the second legs yet, but who, who are the favourites? Who, who do you fancy for the competition, having seen a fair bit of Paris Saint-Germain and Real Madrid now and Barcelona in action next week? Obviously, this goes with no knowledge of what the draw is going to be. But if, if I had to guess, gut feeling, I would love to see a Barcelona-Paris Saint-Germain final. I'm, I'm going for Bayern. I think he Are could you? be their season, actually, yeah. Mm, very interesting. Second legs of the rest of the round of 16 ties on the way. That's all we have time for on Match Day Live. A great couple of nights of football, which saw Real Madrid, Wolfsburg, Paris Saint-Germain and Benfica claim the first four places in this season's quarterfinals. So join us again from 19.30 Central European time next Tuesday. That's the 15th of March for full commentary of Atletico versus PSV Eindhoven. Nil-nil from the first leg. And all the key action from Manchester City as they defend that 3-1 lead at home against Dynamo Kiev, looking to reach the quarterfinals for the first time. Then on Wednesday, 16th of March, Bayern Juve 2-2 from the first leg. Barcelona take on Arsenal with a 2-0 advantage in their back pockets. But for now, from Andy Brass John Bradley, Phil Blacker and myself, Rob Daly. It's goodbye and we'll leave you with the best of this week's action. Draxler into the penalty area. Draxler still. The pullback of the goal! Andre Schürrle sends Wolfsburg into the quarterfinals. Cristiano Ronaldo feeds it to James in space. Scores! James Rodriguez just sticks the knife in and that surely is that. Taliska wraps it up with a goal. And the wild celebration start amongst the Benfica players. It's Benfica's night. It's Benfica's tie. And Hilde Maria is uh, asking for the ball back. He's going to get the ball back and delivers the cross for Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who couldn't really miss from right in front of goal. It might be the moment that finally settles this. 2-1 in front on the night. 4-2 on aggregate. You've been listening to UEFA Champions League Matchday Live.